Uh, this morning we're going to continue our study in the Gospel of John. So if you'd come with me to uh, John chapter 4, uh, we're going to begin with verse 43 and then, and then work uh, to the end of the chapter this morning. So let's pray together as we begin. Lord, we thank you for this morning uh, where, where, where desire is, Lord, <laughs> oh, to spring, to break through. So, um, Lord, let that happen. And, Lord, as we go to your word this morning, uh, Lord, just speak to our hearts and encourage us uh, in the things of the Lord uh, as we read your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to uh, uh, John chapter 4 and verse 43. And it says this, after the two days, well, the two days Jesus was hanging out in the Samaritan village. And what happened in the Samaritan village was absolutely astounding. Uh, Jesus meets this woman at a well, a Samaritan woman. She's broken in heart. Her life is a mess. She's, she's been married five times. I think that would do us all in just then that. Well, she's been married five times, and the, and the guy she's living with is not her husband, and and she has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and, and that encounter changes her life. And she, she, leaves, she leaves her water jar and, and just runs back to her town, and she tells the people in the town, I've met someone that has told me everything about my life. And that simple testimony of Jesus Christ touching her life, transforming her life, not only has changed her heart, but changes the entire town. And it's a great lesson for us, a great lesson for us that we might not know every book of the Bible. We might know, not know every verse. We may not even know how to explain everything that happened to us when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. But that lady had a genuine experience with Christ, and she shared that experience, and it changed people's hearts and lives. And that is what it, the power of a testimony can do in not only the person's life, but in the person that they share it with. I remember the time when I first sh I, sh I shared for the very first time uh, a testimony that how I came to know Jesus Christ. It was only like two or three days after I was saved. I couldn't tell you where Revelation was and Genesis was. I probably would have mixed them up and said they were one in one, one place and one in the other. But I knew this. God had changed my life. God had come into my heart. He had come into my life. He had forgiven my sins. And so there I am down in Virginia, at Hampton, Virginia, at the Montgomery uh, Wards, which is like I'm dating myself there, but Montgomery Wards uh, Auto Parts Store. And I'm, you know, if anybody knows me, I, like I'm pathetic when it comes to repairing things. So I was probably there at best to buy a light bulb. And so I come up to the counter and I say, I have a tail light, light bulb. And, and the guy looks at me and he pauses and I say, and I say to him, I said, you know that Jesus Christ has come into my life and he has saved me and he has forgiven all my sins. And the guy looks at me like, he's probably thinking like, this guy's nuts. I better call 911. And I said, yeah, it's true. And he goes, it is. He goes, how did it happen to you? I said, well, I went to this place and, and uh, you know, a friend of mine led me in this prayer. And I know that my sins are forgiven because of Jesus. He goes, you can know that? 
He said, yeah. I said, do you want that? He goes, I do. And so we went down to the end of the counter, and people, people are queuing up. We went down to the end of the counter. I used the same prayer they used on me, and guess what? And the guy goes, wow, I felt something. Never underestimate the power of a testimony from a changed heart. Never sell God short just because you don't know maybe all that you would like to know. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit working through and flowing out of a changed heart. That's what living waters looks like. Those were the leaping waters that this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, had experienced. And out of the fullness of her heart, she simply says this, I met Jesus. He told me all about my brokenness. And he healed my heart. And I've been set free. Do you think your friends and your neighbors want to hear that story? They certainly do. They probably wouldn't want to listen to a sermon by me. But they'd listen to a testimony, wouldn't they? Listen to someone that had a changed heart. And so after two days of hanging out, the whole town comes to the place that now we know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We come to verse, say, 40. These verses are getting smaller and smaller. Someone's changing my text here. We come to verse 46, and we're going to read through 46. And what I want to ask you to think about as I read through, I want you to think about four questions I want to ask you. Now, I know this is the 10 o'clock, and, you know, uh, you know, you might not want to participate as much, but there's four questions I want to ask you. Who's the main person in the text? Like, who's the main person? Who's the text about? It's a story. It's a real story. So who's the protagonist? Who's the person that the story is about? That's question number one. Question number two is, what's the guy's problem? What's his problem? So who is he? What's the guy's problem? And two last questions, very simple. What did he do right? What did he do right? And this one's a little tricky. What did he not do? Because a lot of times in life, you can learn a lot by understanding what someone did not do. So those are the four questions. Everybody with me? Just nod a little bit so I know that you're awake. Chris, someone wake up Christine's. Just give him a little poke. There he goes. So who, <laughs> who's the person? What's his problem? What did he do? What did not he do? Okay, you ready? Here we go. Let's read, let's read it through. So he came again to Canaan in Galilee. Jesus came again to Canaan in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down. Note, four times John says, come down. Four times. Come down and heal his little lad, if you looked at the original text. Come down and heal my little lad, for he, he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, quote, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my little lad dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. 
The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him yesterday at the 11th hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was that the hour that Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed, really believed, and his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he came from Judea to Galilee. Quiz time. Who's the main focus of the text? The official. Some, if you look at different translations, we find out that some translations call him that he's the nobleman. Some translations say that he's the royal, royal official. What's to take away from that is that this guy was a powerful man. He was a representative of Herod the Tetrarch, or what's called in Mark, they call, refer to him as the king. So he's a man of power. He's a man of position. He's a man of influence. He's a man of means. In other words, he's one of the key leaders in Herod's administration. So that's who the man is. He's a man of influence, power, and position. What's the guy's problem? What's that? His son is dying. And he comes to Jesus, not just with a simple request. Take a look at your notes. You'd see the Greek word there. He comes to, he comes to Jesus and he begs him. Jesus. Now, this is a powerful man. He's a man of influence. He's a man that got on his horse, traveled the 20 miles. He's a man of influence and power, and he has a great need. He has a great need, and his son is about to die. What did he do when he knew that? When his son was about to die, what were some of the things he did? It's okay. You can take a risk. He went to Jesus. What else did he do? What's that? He begged him. Yes. What else? Someone say he got on his horse and left immediately. Who said that? Christine's again. Yes, that's right, Chris. <laughs> he got on his horse and he went to see Jesus. Okay, so here's the trick question. What did he not do? What did he not do? He didn't ask why. Why is my son dying? Why is my son sick? Why is this happening to me? Why at this time of day? Why is this? Why? 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 I don't deserve it. Was this man in a crisis? Yes, he was. There's something about a crisis that you can either get stuck in the crisis or the crisis can propel you forward. It can propel you into deeper faith. It can propel you into deeper understanding of God. It can propel you to personal growth. But there's one question that keeps you stuck. And what is that question? Why? Why? Have you noticed that people are stuck when a crisis hits them? Think about COVID. Think about the people that you know that are saying, oh, why did COVID come? Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? 
Why can't the government get it together? Why can't my why can't Baker get it together? Why can't why is this going on? It begs the question, what? Why do they do it? Why does it keep you stuck? Because when a crisis comes, if the only thing you can ask is why, all your focus is on yourself. All your focus is on what you could do. All your focus is on, uh, in, in some ways, feeling sorry for yourself and it keeps you stuck. All of us are going to experience one crisis in life after another. If you've ever had a child, you know what it's like when that crisis hits and you grab your child up and you put that child in a blanket and you get your spouse to drive the car and, you, and it's midnight or one o'clock in the morning and, you, and you're doing that run to the emergency room. Child has an unbelievable temperature. You're in a panic. You're in a crisis. See, we can learn a lot about how to manage crisis from this official, this nobleman, this royal official. Because he doesn't simply ask why. He begins to ask questions like, where can I go to get help? in the midst of my crisis? What can I learn from this crisis? How can I grow? Those are the questions that propel you beyond your crisis to get solutions and remedy for the crisis that you're in. If you're in a crisis right now, have you asked that question? Where can I go to get help? If you're in a crisis right now, have you asked the question, how can I grow through this? Have you asked the question, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Lord, how can I minister to other people in the midst of this crisis? See, this nobleman, this official, he was in a place where he could have asked why, but he didn't. What he did is he got on his horse and he went to someone that could do something about his problem. See, crises are always going to come. We're going to lose a loved one. We're going to be in crisis. Our child's going to be sick. We're going to be in a crisis. We're going to lose our job. We're going to be in a crisis. We're going to have a pandemic. Who could have expected or forecasted that? And if we, and if, and if as a church, we only asked why, we wouldn't even be meeting. Let's go back to the text and work through it verse by verse and see what else we, we can glean from this. Verse 36, 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him, come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And so get this, the official comes and he begs Jesus to come down and to heal his son. And look at what Jesus does. Does Jesus respond with compassion? Does he respond with empathy? Does he respond with trying to, you know, pastorally touch the person's heart? What happens? Take a look at the text with me. 
It says, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's rather harsh, isn't it? How about some compassion, Jesus? How about some understanding? Don't you know that this guy is on his knees and he's begging for his son? And you're talking about unless you see signs and wonders? Well, there's an interesting thing in the text in that in the ESV and most of the translations, it's, a, it's using you in the singular. But it's really a plural. Jesus is really saying your class of people, the group of you, what group? The group of political powerhouse people, the people of influence, the people that have standing. Unless they see, they require signs and wonders to believe. What is Jesus looking for? Jesus is looking for simple faith. Will you trust me? Will you trust me in the midst of your crisis? Will you simply put your trust in a sovereign God who's good? Would you simply look to me in faith? Look what the official does. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. What's going on here? He ignores it. He ignores the offense. Why? Because he's broken. He has no remedy. His, his position, his power, the horse he rode, it all is meaningless to him. Because he's come to a place where he's what? Just like you are, just like I was when you have a little kiddo. Just as I was when I watched someone die. You're desperate. And the only thing you know is that unless God moves, nothing, nothing's going to happen. And at that moment, there's, a, there's an acorn, there's a seed of hope in the man's life. At that moment, he turns and he doesn't try to defend himself anymore. He's just, he's just who he is. He's not the official anymore. He's not the nobleman. He's not the royal official. He's not the representative of the king. He's who? He's just a dad. That's all he is. He's just a dad whose kid, whose little lad, is dying. And he's, and he's looking at this rabbi who he doesn't even know. And hope blossoms in his heart. Look what Jesus says when he sees that. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, what? Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. Now we're going to find out that this belief here this belief here isn't all that's going to happen in this man's heart. This belief here is like, it's like a hope, but it's not a surety. It's not saving faith yet. Because what we're going to see at the end of the narrative 
is that this man believed him, but he really believed at the end. John gives us a good insight into the man's heart, into the man's life. And it also answers the question, why did Jesus do what he did? Why did, why did he say to this man, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Why, why not a hug? Why not an embrace? Oh, why not, why not I understand your son's dying? Because Jesus, Jesus wanted this man to fully experience saving faith. That the crisis brought this man to the place where he would let go of everything. He would, he would lose what, all that he had so he could gain everything. And the crises that we face in life, they're designed to do that. The difficulties that we face in life, they're an opportunity is will we let go of our resources and embrace a sovereign, mighty God who wants to transform our heart and our life or will we hold on to the things that we know? Jesus wanted to do the same thing in this man's heart that he did with the woman at the well. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Sir, where do we worship at? Where's the right place to worship? Jesus brought her to the place where she would receive living water that would leap up from her and that she would fully know the grace, the saving faith that comes from Christ. Jesus wanted to do the same thing for this man that Nicodemus experienced. How can I, how can I be born again? How? How? Why? Why? And Jesus wants to do the same thing in your heart, in my heart, when we go through difficult times in life. Will we, will we let go of what we know, and will we embrace a sovereign and mighty God who wants to transform our life? That's always the question. Whether it's Nicodemus, whether it's the woman at the well, whether it's the nobleman's or the official, the royal official. Take a look at the text. We see what happens next. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So the man pulled out his Apple watch and asked them, what hour did he start getting better? And then they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And he knew that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. See, this nobleman was a skilled official. He knew to trust, but what? Verify. And when he looked at his watch, by the way, there's no watches in the New Testament. You can Google it. Maybe a sundial or something. But when he saw the promise fulfilled, he believed deep in his heart, 
and he experienced that living water, that being born again. When I was growing up as a boy, they had this, maybe you've heard about it, little dabble, do you? Anybody? <laughs> so dating myself here. It was a Brill Cream commercial. These guys back in the day, you know, like, like the fawns, blank looks, they used to sell this grease in a tube. And guys would put it in their hair and just grease it back. It was disgusting. It was like, you know, if you got a squeaky wheel on your bike, you could just go in your hair and take a little grease. And, and they used to say, a, a little dab will do you. That's not Jesus' heart. Jesus doesn't want to give this royal official a little dab. He wanted to give them the full thing, the living waters, the born again, saving faith. And the crisis brought about the opportunity for that to happen. Look what happens. It says, the father knew that the hour, that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed. And who else? The power of a testimony in his household. And this was now the second sign that Jesus did. Friends, all of us in life, every single one of us, are going to have a crisis of faith. Every single one of us are going to be in a place where, where we think all is lost. The, the more years go by, the more crisis you're going to experience. And if you just ask why, you're going to get stuck. There's many people that have not moved beyond the why of COVID, and they can't live life. There's many people that have experienced the death of a loved one or a tragedy in their life, and they... They simply are stuck on the why rather than asking, Lord, how can I grow through this? Rather than asking, what can I learn? Rather than asking, where can I get some help? The nobleman, the official models for us that when those things happen, to lift our eyes to Jesus to say, Lord, in your sovereign care for me, in your goodness, Lord, come and teach me what I need to learn. Lord, come and show me how I can grow. Come and help me to find the help that I need in my time, in my crisis. If you'll do that, you'll grow. If you do that, you'll mature. If you do that, if you do that, you're going to be in a place where you can put your arm around people and say, I know, I know where you are. I know where you're at. But let, let us go together to prayer. Let us go together to Jesus because he will come. He will comfort your heart. He will answer your prayer and he will be the lifter of your head. Asking why keeps us stuck. Asking God to give us wisdom 
What can I learn? How can I grow? Where can I go to get help? Those things bring us into a new place. Those things, those ways bring us into a place of growth and victory, even in the midst of the darkest places of our life. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, if you are in a place this morning and, um, and your life is in crisis, reach out to us. If you're worshiping at home and, and you're in that place where it's why, 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 you know, pick up the phone, give us a call. Let us help you answer the other questions. And the same here if you're in this room. We're all going to be there, but we don't have to stay stuck. Amen? Susie's going to come and provide a, a little melody of, of songs, and it gives us an opportunity to prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning. It gives us an opportunity to, to... Oh, do you remember in the text four times? John says, come down. What was the remedy for the guy, the official? He, he went up. He went up to meet Jesus. As Susie plays... Lift your eyes, lift your heart up to Jesus because that's where your help, that's where our help comes from. Let's listen.